This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. No, seriously, Mr. Turkey, come over here. I just want to talk. No, no, it's not an axe. It's just something I like to carry around. How's it going, everybody? It is 6.08. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 6... Oh, there it is. We got we got a live turkey in the studio tonight. Not for much longer. Not, not, not for much longer. <laughs> we'll have a turkey in the studio. But, uh, uh, poor turkeys. If they only knew what we said about them. What do you think if they're they, saying about if us? If they knew what their destiny was. If you spoke Turkanese. <laughs> if you spoke Turkish. <laughs> they're talking oh, wait, smack. that is a language. That's a thing. Uh, I don't know what turkeys think of humans. Aren't they one of the dumbest uh, animals there is? Or maybe they're so smart they just want you to think they're great. <laughs> well, they're not doing a good job of... I guess they've made themselves incredibly useful. I mean, they have found their calling. That is true. As a festive, a festive meal bird. Maybe they think they're sacrificing themselves for so humanity can continue. I don't know. Have you bought one of those smoked turkey legs they sell at the exhibition? They're like I, 20 bucks a piece. Well, see, then that's what I, Andrew was saying. The turkey's uh, expensive. It's a valuable bird. I don't with, know. Is it that expensive? I, I've never I bought a turkey. Oh. The turkeys, the, the, the turkeys, <laughs> well, I just show up at my relatives and the turkey's there. I don't know how it gets there. I've always preferred the ham. I'm with Jalen on that. Yeah, I could, like I said, I could do without, if there was no turkey there, I'd, I'd be fine. Some other, just if there was a steak there, that'd be fine. Or if there was a bunch of uh, holupchi, like whatever, it'd be fine. Holupchi? <laughs> uh, cabbage rolls. Yeah. You know what that oh, is. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my yeah. mom's side of the family is Ukrainian, and that's the side of... Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, there's I'm, Ukrainians in my family. We have cabbage rolls all the time. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, uh, there is a uh, turkey... <laughs> just, I don't know what's been going on lately on Inside Sports, but I, I do have a plan for what we're going to talk about. The turkey thing at the beginning was supposed to be five seconds, and then we get into the show. A couple of people referencing uh, uh, WKRP. Okay, this is a great tech. <laughs> Turkeys are birds, not animals. Actually, <laughs> I hate to tell you this. You go ahead with that. Yeah, they, they are both. Animal <laughs> is like the the main group. What I can't remember what we used to call them There's in There's like phylum and subphylum. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. animals and then birds is a type of animal. They're actually both. Yes. Uh, Alan the Farmer, with a, coming in late here with a candidate for text of the week on Friday night. He goes, <laughs> they are dumb. I raised them for years. Shiny objects distract them. 
They literally will follow you to the slaughter. Absolute morons. I love that. I love that he threw that in at the end there. Such conviction. He, he starts by saying they are dumb. <laughs> and then at the end, just to clinch it, just to make sure we know, absolute morons. Uh, Signed, Alan, Alan, Alan the Farmer. That is an awesome text. Thank you so much for writing that in tonight. Okay, we, we do have a lot to get to tonight because the Oilers play tomorrow. The Eskimos and the Oilers play on Monday. So we're going to set up uh, stuff going on for both teams. So that's going to be cool as we move along tonight. Let me make sure I got that turned on so when I play the tape. Um, Golden Bears hockey is starting tonight at 7 against Mount Royal. The Oil Kings play at 7 against Brandon. There's a CFL game tonight, Hamilton and Winnipeg. Uh FC Edmonton plays at 7 tonight at home at Clark against Jacksonville. So that's all going on. And in the baseball playoffs, uh, pretty compelling game going on here in Cleveland. Now after 7, it's 8-7 for the Yankees in the lead. At one point, actually after 5, the Yankees were up 8-3. Cleveland rallying with four in the six. So that game has become very interesting. Cleveland is up one nothing in the series. Houston is now up 2-0 in their series with Boston. They win big again, 8-2 the final in that one. The Cubs and Nationals are underway. Game one of their series, they're scoreless in the top of the third. Arizona and the Dodgers later. So all four series going on tonight in the baseball playoffs. Just three games in the NHL. The Blue Jackets lead the Islanders 2-0 with the second period about to start. Cam Atkinson has a goal in that one. The Lightning have jumped out to a 1-0 lead on the Panthers. They're late in the first period. Palat has the goal. And starting in about half an hour or so, first game ever for the Vegas Golden Knights visiting the Dallas Stars. Oilers play the Canucks tomorrow, 6.30 for the face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 8. Now, if you watched that game on Wednesday, you saw Kyler Yamamoto start the, on the game on a line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Milan Lucic. The, the uh, young right side, right winger, didn't play a lot. Played about six and a half minutes. Zach Cassian was the guy who got promoted to that line, and Todd McClellan says why Cassian's a good choice to move up in the lineup. That's the utility-type player that Zach is. He, uh, you know, whether he's in a 10-minute game or a 20-minute game, he finds a way to, to contribute. I liked his uh, size and his tenacity the other night against, uh, against the line they were matched up against and, uh, you know, kept him in the game, too. We, uh, when there's not a lot of power play and penalty kill, and he's a prime penalty killer for us, you sometimes forget about those players. So we brought him back in, and we could have that line together tomorrow. All right, so we, we, we don't really know what the lineup's going to look like tomorrow. We'll have to wait for the morning skate, I would think, because there was some rotating going on with Cassian and Yamamoto on that wing. I, 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 I don't know if they want to sit Yamamoto out, unless they sit him out and bring him back in for the home game on Monday. Maybe you start that same way again and Cassian quickly gets promoted if if you need him. Pacarinen is around as well. He's always been kind of a depth guy ever since he's been an oiler, but I, I think they would probably like to reward him with a game at some point along the line. So we'll see what happens. Again, there was really no indication, and you heard Todd McCullen say at the end of that clip that we'll just take a look at it as we move along. But Cassian, an example of what is help transform the Oilers over the last couple of years, the versatility with the forwards, guys who can play with energy, can play higher in the lineup with, uh, if need be, and still fit in with offensive players because of you know tenacity or speed or whatever it is that they're able to bring. So that's a, a lineup note to watch for 
over the next uh, day or so here until the Oilers face off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. I... I don't know. I I could see. I I don't. I wouldn't pull Yamamoto out of the lineup if it's me. I I, I would give the young man another game or two here. Slepyshev's going to come up eventually. Then they probably send Yamamoto back to the Spokane Chiefs. But that's what McClellan had to say about that. Everybody. That one of the big discussion points here for the Oilers. So they win three nothing over Calgary. They pretty much stifled the Flames. The Flames had what Monahan had that excellent scoring chance. Talbot made a great save. They had a. I would say a small handful of decent scoring chances, and then a lot of their shots were outside. The Oilers defended their the scoring area well. They deflected a lot of passes. They checked hard against the Flames. Calgary didn't have a have a lot of work, and this is. I mean, look, it, you know, it almost sounds foreign to be talking about an Oilers team this way, g- given what we talked about for the ten years they were out of the playoffs. About like you'd wa- you used to watch a game with the Oilers, and if they gave up you know, three wide-open chances in the slot in a period that you'd think, well, they didn't do that bad, relatively speaking. I mean, really, Monaghan had the only wide-open chance, and McClellan was asked about the team valuing defensive play. We take pride in it. We stress numbers to the group, and there is a threshold that you need to fall into Regardless of how much offense you have, you have to fall into that threshold to uh, to be a successful team, to get to the playoffs, to have success in the playoffs, and um, getting the players to believe and understand and take pride in it is real important. I think we've got there. And then the tools to do it. Uh, clarification as much as you can on, on the defensive side of the puck. Clarifying responsibilities, and then... Players have to get it done. You got to hold them accountable for it. And and I think our team is is embracing that a little bit. Um, they feel like our goaltenders need the help. They deserve the help for the number of times they keep us in the game. So um, why not play defensively strong night in and night out? Well, and I think that started to be evident last year and was very evident on Wednesday. And as much as the Oilers have McDavid and Drysital and some other guys who are offensive threats, everybody has embraced you know, attempting to play defense, attempting to check, attempting to engage in puck battles, attempting to defend the important areas of the ice, and they're a lot more organized in doing that. I got a good text here from Jeremy from Glendon. He says, hey, Reed, excited to see Yamamoto against the Canucks and see how he does in a more settled game. Defense looked pretty good to me on Wednesday. I read a stat by Tyler Dello from, uh, I think, The Athletic he's quoting here, that said the Oilers had the fewest defensive changes on the fly of 10 seconds or less, meaning the Oilers did the least defensive pair matchups in the league. Should we expect Todd McClellan to continue this, or do you see one pair emerging as a shutdown pair as the season comes along? That is Jeremy from Glendon. That's an interesting stat. I didn't see that before you brought it out. I I think the McClellan, I, I think Clefbaum and Larson is is his preference to have out there. I think he's perfectly comfortable, though, with any pairing. And the one thing about McClellan, and he, af- he actually referenced this today, he was asked about the defense. He said, Clefbaum and Larson may be our number one pair, but they won't be every night. And on those nights, I got to adjust. If they're having an off night, I got to make sure I get a different matchup. Um, so... That Jeremy, if if you maybe we you follow up with that stat after thirty or forty games, but I I think that if you look at now last year would have included Secker as well. Now we'll see how it is with him out of the lineup, but I, I would think with Clefbaum, Larson, and Russell and Secker together last year, he was probably comfortable with any of those four being out against top offensive players from the other team. But that's a good text to bring up. Thank you, Jeremy from Glendon. 
This texture says, I worked in a turkey barn, was told if one of them looks at you funny, kill it. If one attacks you, they all attack you. All right. So they have that pack mentality that makes them dangerous despite their stupidity. We're learning a lot about turkeys tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, a little more from McClellan, and an excellent clip from one of the greatest coaches of all time, Wally Buono, when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, we got a text here from Sheldon who says, Hey, Reed, here is something from left field. Why isn't Nugent Hopkins nicknamed Teddy? Took me a while to get that. Ted Nugent. Yeah, got it. <laughs> it, it is the Friday of a long weekend. Oh, God. And the Oilers must have won their last game for people to be in a good mood texting in about turkeys and, uh, <laughs> and, nick- and possible nicknames for the Oilers. That is okay. The text line is 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. We will uh, hopefully weave some uh, lighter moments in and out of the show. How about this? Cleveland has tied it in the bottom of the eighth. It's 8-8 against the Yankees in game two. If you missed me talking about this earlier, the Yankees led 6-3 after three, 8-3 after five. Cleveland got four in the sixth and one in the eighth. So given how Cleveland played over the last couple months of the season, I guess we shouldn't be surprised to see them rally, even though they were down five runs. So we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Earlier today, uh, Houston beat Boston 8-2. Chicago and Washington are scoreless after three in the baseball playoffs, and uh, we'll do the hockey scores after the 6.30 news. Just a couple of games already underway. Okay. Southside Rob has been doing some research. He says, hey, Reed, with all the talk about Connor scoring however many goals this season, here are some facts. In the history of the NHL, only 24 times have players scored 65 goals or more. The last time was Ovechkin 10 years ago, 07-08, when he scored 65. Uh, that is from Southside. So how many of those would have been in the 80s or 90s? Well, I guess Esposito would have got to 76 in the 70s, right? But most of those would have had to have been in the 80s. Did Stamkos got exactly 60 once, didn't he? But he's talking about 65. Here's the thing with McDavid. I, I don't know what the ceiling is. I think I picked him for 37 goals. He, he already has three. I mean, he's not going to score in every game. Every game is going to be a little di- different. But but if there is somebody who you might think could double his total from last year to 30 to 60, it would be McDavid. I, I don't think he's going to get 100, and I'm sure Yager was being a little, little mullet in cheek. <laughs> suggesting that. I'm glad, I'm glad you're a laugh track because I think most people are like, what is he talking Mullet about? Mullet in cheek. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think to score a goal a game in this in this day and age with the quality of the goaltending and and I think the games, they're going to get tight. I mean, what what do we see as the season goes on, right? The, the teams that are focused on the playoffs, they tend to tighten up. Those games are tighter. Now, though sometimes you play a team that's out of the playoffs late in the year, you light them up 6-2 because they're not as interested and you're still going for it. I, I, I think I, I think that there will be suspense about Connor getting to 50 this year. If it becomes 60, all the better. That'll be fun to watch for sure. McClellan was talking about offense coming from the defense and McDavid's nice goal the other night. Paul Connor's goal the other day that everybody's talking about, um, you know, we got the clock on him and he was going this fast and all that. 
nobody saw his stick position and how he stripped the puck from Furland, uh, being in good defensive position. The rest of our team was tired on that shift, yet they weren't flying all over. They were playing well defensively. They made the line change when Connor took off with the puck. Those are things that we stress that, um, you know, the eyeballs all go to Connor and the goal, and that's great. But the rest of the guys did a tremendous job at the back end of a shift when they were tired to create that, that situation. All right, a little more from McClellan coming up. You're also going to hear from Darrell Walker of the Edmonton Eskimos. Nice to have him back. Morley Scott's going to hop on for a bit of an Eskimos preview as well. We'll have Bob Stoffer checking in from Vancouver. All ahead, Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. Here's what's going on in the NHL. 4-0 Columbus leading Jordan Eberle in the New York Islanders. That's with about eight minutes left in the second period. The Lightning lead the Panthers 1-0 after one. Later on, the Golden Knights' first NHL game. They visit the Dallas Stars. CFL, Hamilton and Winnipeg just getting underway. Yankees and Indians now in the ninth, tied 8-8. Washington and Chicago scoreless in the fourth. Houston beat Boston 8-2 to go up 2-0 in that best of five. Arizona and the L.A. Dodgers don't start for another couple of hours. All right. Patrick, you're going to have to cover for me for a second here. Bless you. Thank you. I have to sneeze. <laughs> when you killed the mic, it was like we're playing charades. I know this. That's a sneeze. <laughs> Sorry. That doesn't happen very often, but I can't help it. Well, at least you didn't draw attention to it on air. Very professional. Well, I try to at least shut my mic off, so I'm not sneezing into the, directly into the microphone. Probably would have been worse. Yeah. And I usually, when I'm on air, I usually control it because when I sneeze in real life, I never sneeze less than three times. Oh. Well, luckily, that was just a, a one-off. each time. Anyway. Lucky you. Okay. Anyway, I think I'm okay. Uh, this texter says, when was the last time someone went 50-50 and 50 in the NHL? So quickly double-check that. The last 50 goals in 50 games was Brett Hall in 1991-92. Now, the way the NHL defines it was that you have to score 50 goals in the team's, in the team's first 50 games of the season, right? Not the players' first 50 games. So I can tell you that in 95-96, Mario Lemieux scored his 50th goal in his 50th game. However, it was the team's 59th, so it doesn't count according to the way the NHL does the record. Lemieux wound up that season with a paltry 69 goals in 70 games. So hopefully that answers your question. Officially, Brett Hall in 91-92, and then in terms of player games, Lemieux did it uh, in uh, 95-96. Cam Neely, don't forget, in 93-94, had 50 goals in his 44th game played, but it was his team's 66th game. He finished the season with 50 goals in 49 games played. So I remember that season because uh, Neely obviously had a lot of uh, injury troubles and uh, often missed a lot of time. So anyway, it's fun McDavid has us talking about that that possibility. That'll be fun for sure. Okay. 
want to touch on some football stuff here. We all know what's going on with the uh, the West versus the East, especially the last couple of years. I mean, the West has generally been a stronger division for really, well, heck, I'm 43, and I could say comfortably pretty much my entire life with maybe a couple of exceptions, well, a handful of exceptions where they were balanced, where the East was actually... The East actually had a stronger division in 2001, but Calgary was kind of an upset winner of the Grey Cup. But, I mean, if you look at it this year, I mean, the Eskimos are 7-6. and six. They're fourth in the West. They're fourth overall out of nine teams. And last year was the same deal. The Eskimos finished fourth in the West. They had the fourth best record in the league. They went on the road to play a Hamilton team in the playoffs that had a worse record. They won. They played at Ottawa in the East Final. Ottawa had a worse record. I believe... I believe that it's time to get rid of the divisions in the CFL. Have a nine-team league. The top six teams make the playoffs... The first two seeds get a bye into the semis. Three plays six, four plays five, and then you have semifinals after that, and then you have the Grey Cup in whatever location you, you were already going to have it. I don't think it has to be an East-West Grey Cup. I mean, for several years, Winnipeg was in the East Division. You know, they played Saskatchewan in the Grey Cup. People still watched. I think people would watch an Edmonton-Calgary Grey Cup if, you know, if it's the two best teams in the league. I I. I I don't think it needs to be East-West anymore. Let's quit giving the East teams an, an, you know, a chance to make the playoffs by winning six games, which could happen this year. This always brings up some debate, but somebody who I consider to be pretty wise is on my side in this one. You may have heard of the young man. He coaches the BC Lions. His name's Wally Buono. I believe that uh, times are changing and have changed. We are no longer a regional league. We are a national league. I'm not sure that uh, uh, the old sentiments of East-West, East Plain West, because it's all about the Grey Cup game. I think the Grey Cup in itself brings the country together, period. I think like Ottawa sold out way before we ever know who's playing. I think uh, social media, which I'm not in favor of, uh, um, everything's changed, and we no longer are regional. You know, Grey Cup was based on regional, east and west. Uh, you know, the east very seldom played the west, the west very seldom, you know. We're at a point now where everything is national. You know, we get, we want national sponsors, we want to have national appeal, we want to have national uh, audience. So, uh, if that's the case, Okay, then you, the formula in my mind would be the two first place teams get a bye, the next four teams, uh, you know, make the playoffs. So you could have the second and third place team in either division host a playoff game. Your reward, excellence. Uh, we still are in, in a society where we reward excellence, right? Okay, it's not everybody gets a prize because you can beat it. Okay. That's my opinion. Whether the league would ever do that? Probably not. <laughs> All right. So, well, kind of funny there. Would they ever do it? Eh, probably not, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's it's something that generally we, we've talked about it as sports fans. We've done little uh, sections on it on this show before. I know some of you are on board. Some of you think, no, it has to be East-West and, 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 you know, whatever the best team will win in the end. Um, but, I mean, we got... I mean, I don't know. I guess you can argue it keeps a 
three and ten team like Hamilton in it a little longer because they could still win the rest of their games and pass Ottawa. But I would like, to, and look, I would like to see some variety in the playoff matchups. You know, so what if one year Edmonton plays Ottawa in the first round, and then the next year they play in the Grey Cup, and then the next year Edmonton play? I mean, I think it's better for variety. I think it's better for rewarding the good teams in the league. I mean, look, Toronto likely Toronto is going to get a home game. Now, Toronto could still finish eleven and seven, which is a respectable record. They could also finish seven and eleven and finish first in the East. Last year, Ottawa had eight wins. They finished first in the East. If you win fewer than half your games, you shouldn't be first in anything, except maybe a mediocrity contest. So I, I found it interesting that Wally Bono brought that up today. He's a guy I, I respect incredibly. I find he, he's always a great speaker and, and good at summing up his thoughts and putting out good ideas. So anyway, I would like to see the CFL do that. Like Wally said, would they ever do it? It doesn't seem like they will or would I, I have yet to hear a good answer other than it's tradition which I understand to a point but to me there's also tradition changes all the time I mean two teams in baseball used to make the playoffs now it's 10 right they, they used to not have a forward pass in football <laughs> now, now over half the plays are passing I mean things change all the time I think this would be a positive change I think it would be good for the races. As Wally said, I think excellence should be rewarded. I mean, here's the thing. Winnipeg will very likely finish with the second-best record in the CFL. Winnipeg could go 15-3 and because Calgary could go 16-1-1. and And Winnipeg would not get a first-round bye, even though they would have, you know, so they'd be exposed to being eliminated a lot sooner than other people. Anyway, it's 643. You can text 63630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Still ahead, Bob Stoffer, Morley Scott will meet the new play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He'll tee up tomorrow's game from a Canucks standpoint. All ahead, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Tiger Cats have an early 7-0 lead on the Blue Bombers, four minutes into Friday night football in Winnipeg. This is Inside Sports on 630 Ched. The Oil Kings start at the top of the hour against Brandon. Golden Bears hockey starts tonight, home against Mount Royal, 7 o'clock face-off. Also want to let you know, tomorrow at Clark Park. The Edmonton Huskies go for an undefeated regular season in the Prairie Junior Football Conference. They are 7-0, taking on the 6-1 Saskatoon Hilltops. Regardless of the outcome, the Huskies will host Regina next Sunday afternoon in a semifinal. The Wildcats have had a tough season. They're 1-6. They'll close it out Sunday afternoon against the Calgary Colts. FC Edmonton is playing at Clark tonight. 7 o'clock start against Jacksonville. Busy, busy, Evening, taking you into a long weekend. Tomorrow, Furnace Family Oilers Hockey on 630 Ched. You know, Furnace Family is Edmonton's furnace replacement experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. 630 face-off show, 8 o'clock drop of the puck. Oilers visiting the Canucks. 780-496-0063. James is on the open line. James, good to hear from you. Hey, Reed, long time no talk. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm glad you called in. Thanks. A yeah, bevy of sporting events, both here in the city and, of course, the football game out, out east. But anyway, that's not what I'm... i calling to uh, tell you that I agree with uh, yourself and uh, Mr. Buono out there on the left coast. Mm-hmm. I like the idea. And um, 
my thinking is, is I don't know if all the owners would have to sign off on it or what, but I think with this current commissioner that has proven that he's not afraid to make change, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen during uh, Mr. Ambrosi's uh, tenure as the commissioner of the CFL. Well, he seems to be maybe the guy who who would be open-minded. I mean, he's made the, uh, what has he done this year that stood out? He made the replay change. He went to Hamilton and told them not to hire that coach. Um, well, I, I forget the, the guy's name. Challenge, right? Yeah, the challenge thing. Yeah, he changed the challenge flag. He, so he's he's not afraid to step in, and I'm glad he has that attitude. And the thing is with the replay and the challenge flag, you can change it back. You can tweak it again. I mean, rules change all the time. So what would be what, what would be the yeah like what would be the big deal about looking at the standings and instead of five teams in one division and four in the other, you just saw a, a nine team league. I mean the the I mean when when leagues get big, fourteen, sixteen, thirty teams, it makes sense to have conferences and divisions. It doesn't make sense to have that in a nine team league, especially when one division always lags behind the other. Well, until we get a CFL team on the on the right coast, uh, I, I think this wouldn't be a, a bad idea, and I think uh, CFL fans would embrace it. I think most people would be with it once once it actually came in for sure. James, I'm glad you called. Have a good Thanksgiving, okay? Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Reed. Thank you, bye. Right on. That's James checking in, 780-496-0063. This texture says, hey, Reed, I wonder if... It's a business worry to change the CFL. If Western teams consistently win, would the fan base dwindle even more in the East? Okay, I'm just going to do a quick Google because my memory isn't what it used to be. So Ottawa won the Grey Cup last year. Edmonton won the year before that, right? Calgary won in, uh, what are we back to now, 14. Saskatchewan won in 13. Toronto BC, Montreal, Montreal, Calgary, Saskatchewan, BC, Edmonton, Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, Calgary, BC, going back to 2000. The West has won about two-thirds of the time anyway. Um, Hamilton still has fans. They've had a lot of bad teams. Montreal is, you know, they're doing okay. Ottawa's doing pretty good back in the league. Toronto's, in my mind, Toronto's going to be a problem no matter what. I think that's an excellent question that that texture brings up. Um... If the CFL is worried about it, I don't know. If they are, I think that is a misplaced worry because a competitive league... And here's the thing. You wouldn't really have to change the schedule. You'd still play everybody twice, and you'd play two teams three times each year. Maybe you could have a regional rival. You always played that way, or maybe they would rotate it. Or or what I would like is that they based it on last year's standings. So the top three teams from the previous year, they would get an extra game against each other, right? So if you finish first, you'd be at the second-place team and home to the third-place team for the extra game. Then four five, four, five, six would be in a pod, and seven, eight, nine would be in a pod. So you'd, you'd know your extra two games, your extra opponent, based on the previous year's standings. Sounds uh, good to me. So I think that level of competition would be... Oh, here's a team we were jockeying with for position last year. Now we're going to play them an extra time this year, as opposed to always playing Calgary, BC, or you know what I mean. From a fan standpoint, too, yeah, that makes I mean, it a little more interesting. I don't too. mind it. I don't mind that. That's a good question, though. I yeah. mean, th- there appears to be some fear, and maybe it is monetarily motivated that that one division would, like we, 
it would crack the country. Like we just couldn't handle it. It'd be like we'd be we'd have turkey brains. It would be too much for us <laughs> to comprehend. We'd be like lost little turkeys. Absolutely. Being led to the, being yeah, like we're <laughs> we're too moronic to comprehend like oh Calgary and Ottawa are in the same one team division or one division league. What's going on? Yeah. I don't know. Good, good question, though. I mean, next time I talk to Ambrosi, I'll, I'll, I, don't, I don't know if he's ever addressed that. Uh, did I? I'm trying. I, I interviewed Kohan a couple times. I can't remember if I asked him or not. Most of his stuff was always about Toronto. Anyway, fair comment. Uh, good text to 630-630. Do we have time? I don't know if we have quite f- time for this full interview. I'd like to do it. Let, let's, let's call a bit of an audible here. I want to bring Adam Scourge in, but we'll get to him a little bit later on. Uh, the Eskimos are getting ready to go on Monday. That's going to be on 6.30, Ched, with the uh, kickoff coming up at noon on Monday. The pregame show, the countdown to kickoff, will start at 10.30 in the morning. Eskimos running back Calvin McCarty says, yeah, we've been through some tough times, but the season ain't over yet. Like the saying goes, you never get too high, you never get too low. When we're 7-0, and the goal was 1-0 per week. It wasn't. Oh, we got seven wins. We, the pressure of eight, it was get the next one. I mean, we, we've lost six in a row, and we've lost in different ways, but the, the mindset has to be one and all this week, and you can't, you can't make up for the past six weeks in one week either. So the plan is to, you know, go win this week, but uh, obviously it does weigh on you more than winning. There's a lot more questions asked when you lose, obviously, yeah. and a lot more people have opinions. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really getting to the drawing board and working and really just going out there and executing and not shooting ourselves in the foot. The process never changes, win or lose, right? You got to park last week and focus on this week. Yes, and I mean, it's it, obviously there are other distractions around that that make it, you know, tough, but as professional athletes and football players, we're, are, we're paid to go out there to do our job and, and put our team in the best position to win. So for us, it has to be, you know, flush it and Keep your confidence up and go out here and play. Take every every play for what it is, and don't look too far ahead. And you know, don't get ahead of yourself. And at the same time, don't think less of yourself because we've lost this many games in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple plays during those, that seven-game winning streak, we could have easily been five and two, five and three. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things do get mag- or covered when you're when you're winning. You really don't, you know, take the magnifying glass of the game film. But you lose, everything gets magnified by ten. So. I mean, that's just the way the business is, and we're in the football business, and we're not, you know, we're not paid to go out here and play. We're paid to win, so mm-hmm. the goal is to be 1-0 this week. All right, that is Calvin McCarty, the longest-serving member of your Edmonton Eskimos, so they're going to fly out to Montreal and play there on Monday. And then don't forget, Monday night we got another Oilers game, 5.30 face-off show, 7 o'clock for the start of the game as they take on the Winnipeg Jets. All right, that uh, wild baseball game in Cleveland now into the bottom of the ninth. It is 8-8 between the Indians and the Yankees. Game two of that best of five. Cleveland won last night. Chicago and Washington still scoreless. They're into the bottom of the fifth. Houston beat Boston 8-2 for the second straight day to go up two games to nothing in that series. All right. We'll go out to Vancouver. Brendan Batchelor. We'll get uh, an interesting guy. 28 years old. 28 years old. Now the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. And then we'll hear from one of the guys who has helped Brendan in his career. Morley Scott, the play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, receiver Darrell Walker is going to be on the show. 
Uh, Bob Stoffer's coming up. We'll catch up with Adam uh, Adam Scorgy, the producer of that excellent film, Ice Guardians, which you can now watch on Netflix. And he's making a movie, a documentary, about a legendary member of the Edmonton Oilers. So he'll fill us in on that project. That is all to come. Busy final hour, rolling into your long weekend. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chat.